things, but okay, go ahead. I'm not going right. to bust your so balls. So I turn it that. off, yeah. and I'm walking up the street, and uh, and I keep kind of turning around, and the guys cross the road, and I'm like, oh, that's, that's weird, you know? And, uh, and then I'm walking up, and I hear, like, there was, like, gravel on the pavement, so I hear, like, shuffling of feet trying to, like, catch up to me. So I cross the street, and then they cross the street, and I'm like, oh, fuck's sake. This is bad. And then I cross the street again, and then they cross the street again, and I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, I think I'm about to get robbed. So um, so the guy's like, hey, can we talk to you for a minute? And there's nobody around, so I'm like... Is your heart pounding? Yeah, yeah. a bit. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, sure. And uh, he's like, do you smoke weed? And I said, no. And he goes, do you want some weed? And I thought, no. Um, and then he was like, what have you got on you? And they all kind of gathered around me. Um, and this was a little, something I've been a little bit pissed off about is, uh, cause I've filed a police report. So then obviously it goes in the press and everything. Right. And they wrote that there was only one guy. So I'd like to clarify there was more than one guy. Right. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. in other words, so, for your, for your, for your, for your ego. I'm like, the, the, yeah, there I was, could have fought off one guy. Yeah. Like, right. you know, someone's like, oh, it says there was yeah. a guy with a knife. I was like, just okay. one. It was a bunch of guys. It was a bunch of guys. It was right. 87 guys. Yeah, you know um, as soon as Harry Styles files a police report, that's the other horrible thing. That's going to be a public thing. Right. Yeah, there's no so, such thing as keeping that private. So um, so he's like, what have you got on you? And I'm like, I don't have anything. And, uh, you know, they say stop fucking around and that kind of thing. Mm. So I have some cash in my pocket. So I said, I've got some cash. So I pull out some cash. And he takes it from me. And then uh, I had, like, my headphone jack just sticking into my pocket and he was like what's that plugged into i'm like oh god's sake it's my phone right. so he's like pull out your phone so i pull out my phone uh and i'm thinking okay this is really annoying but you know i'll wipe it and get a new phone and kind right. of whatever not worth fighting over a phone. not worth fighting over and then uh the guy's like okay unlock your phone and uh the other one like pulls his shirt up and he's got like a knife sticking in his in his pants and um I was like, shit. And I, I'm kind of thinking like, do I, I just said like, I can't. Like, I'm sorry. I, like, well, mate, I was like, mate, I, I can't unlock my phone. And then the guy's like, you've got 10 seconds to unlock your phone. He starts counting down. And I'm like, fuck, am I going to unlock my phone? Am I going to give him my phone? What's the deal? So then I try and give him my phone. And he's like, no, I need to unlock it. And I was like, I can't. And then there's a little pond behind them near where I live. And I, I thought about throwing it in the pond to just be like, but they would, neither of us have it, right? Yeah, but then they would have stabbed you. And uh, and then I thought I didn't want to piss them off. Right. And the lights changed and there was like two cars coming. And I just like felt an opportunity and I just sprinted, ran. And they didn't chase you? Well, I ran into the road and I tried to stop a car. And obviously, madman runs into the road, tries to get in your car. You're not going to let him in. So right. they don't let me in. Uh, try and get in another car. Don't let me in. But now I'm slightly away from them because I'm in the street. And I think, like, I just burned, just turned down and ran back towards, like, the little village area near where I live. So I just kind of sprinted. But usually when I'm out walking, I'm wearing, like, running stuff. Right. And this was the one night I'm wearing like corduroy flares and shoes. Yeah, great. And I was like, I'm going to have to fucking sprint all the way down this hill. So 
uh, yeah, I just sprinted down down the thing, and and I guess because they had some cash and stuff, they just ended up turning around. But. So, so obviously, your personal freedom is important to you to mm. the point that you want to be able to walk around by yourself. Yeah. Did that cause you to rethink everything and get a security detail and, um, and really and really work through this? I mean, I went walking again the next day, right? Because for that exact reason, I just didn't want it to stop me walking. Like I walk a lot of nights uh, when I'm home and. I really like it. I feel like it's, you know, something I just really enjoy. And uh, so so I went and actually I had some friends with me the next time. But I've been going since. And I have like a, I have someone, I have like a night guard who comes to my house and Good. stuff. So Yeah, no, I mean, you um, really got to think that. I know, some, yeah. I, I have friends who are very, very famous. Mm. And they they don't have a security detail. They don't have anything like that. And I go, you're fucking insane. Right. I mean, it's a it's a necessary evil, but I understand what you mean. You want to be able to walk out of your house and walk around, listen to music, and and, and be right. a normal citizen. But but he wasn't I mean, particularly targeted because no. he's Harry Styles. No, he wasn't. No, but you've been targeted too because you're Harry Styles, right? You're dealing with all that shit too. Uh, yeah. Was it that bit. that homeless guy or something started following you around? Well, he or? wasn't homeless, but at first I thought he was homeless. And then I was like, I have a feeling this guy isn't homeless. Um, but yeah, that's when I got the the night card. But, yeah, yeah. I don't. I just don't like. I don't really like having security if I'm not working. Like right. I'll take it if I'm working and stuff because it makes sense. But um, it's it's weird. It's uncomfortable. I think it's really weird. And a lot of the time, you end up drawing more attention to yourself if you're walking through a city with like some big guy behind you. You know. You know what I was thinking about you musically. Like I was mm. thinking about like when when I was you know really cons- when I was in high school and college and stuff. I was consumed with rock stars and music and all that. Yeah. And there was this great camaraderie between musicians. Like, you'd read about, hey, Jimi Hendrix just came on the scene. So Clapton calls up the Who, and they get in touch with uh, Graham Nash, and they all go to, you know, something like that. And they all go out and listen together. Like, all of these bands were sort of feeding off one another. The whole right. scene up in California with... Uh, so the Troubadour with, like, Harry Nielsen and John Yeah, and, and, yeah. and you read about those nights... There's, and then, like I was reading about, like you hang out sometimes with Adele or or mm. this one or that one. Is it the same kind of thing, or do you feel more isolated as a musician now? I feel like I feel like a, a big way that it's changed is that back then, I feel like everyone kind of just felt like really grateful to be getting to make music as a job, right? And I feel like it's just a lot more competitive now. And maybe yeah. it was, I think it was, I think it was that competitive then, but it was more about, it was more competitive about like writing songs. Um, like someone told me a story about how like Joni Mitchell and, you know, Crosby, Stills and Nash and stuff, there's all these different songs like Bob Dylan and all that stuff where there was one party that they all went to and there's like eight different songs by a bunch of different ones yeah. of them all about the same party and they were like well, my song about you is better than your song about her and her <laughs> song about me is better than yeah well it's almost know. like painters when they used to in the old days they would all hang out together like the right. hudson river painters and all those guys they mm-hmm. would all paint and learn and and kind of hang and they'd even paint the same scene sometimes mm-hmm. to see how they kind of perceived it right. i don't sense that the music scene is as much fun like that you don't go to you know graham nash and Joni go shopping one day together and then they, they and then he writes our house you know right. i don't i don't get that sense you know i feel like it's made Maybe just it's like feels a little more like a business for a lot of people no. a lot of the time, right? And I feel like back then you wrote a song for one reason, 
And then if it went number one, that was like amazing. Right. I don't feel like people were, and maybe I'm wrong because I, you know, wasn't alive, so I could be completely wrong. But it doesn't feel like people were going. Let's change this chorus a bit because then it can be like a number one smash. Yeah, it was a different vibe, at least from yeah. my perception from being around a while. Like I was even reading, read, I never knew the band Mazzy Star. Did you know them? Uh, a little bit. A little just bit. a couple big ones, but the, the guy just died. The guy right? just yeah. died and I'm reading about him. The guy's whole attitude was like, we put together a band. We didn't fucking care about success. We didn't care about mm -hmm. a record deal. We just wrote, and when their song became a hit, the guy was like, oh, so what? You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm not writing for that reason. It seemed like a different kind of business, right. you know? I also think, like, obviously it's changed a lot because of, like, streaming and everything like that. But yeah. I think uh, a lot of the time now, like, if you... I guess back then, if you loved someone's show or their music, you might go to the show and hang out and stuff. And now, I guess, there's there's just a lot of people, like, that feel involved a lot of the time. So if you're like, oh, I really like this song, then suddenly people are like, well, you guys should collaborate and get in the studio together. And and it becomes, sometimes, it becomes like, it's not like an organic hangout. It becomes your kind of, you know, people trying to like put you together. Right. So when it happens and it's like organic and you run into people and you get on and end up hanging out and if you play music or not, most of the time you probably don't. It's really nice. But well, Are you working on something with Adele? Is, is there a collaboration no. there? It no. seems to be a rumor around that you're working on something with I f her. I feel like that's just any time two musicians hang out. It's yeah, like right. Either they're dating or they're <laughs> recording together. Right? Yeah. Do you like writing with other people? Have you ever... Uh, did you, did you, um, like, do you ever do. say to Stevie next, Hey, Stevie, let's sit down and write a couple of fucking tunes together. Haven't said that. Why not? Uh, Why can't know. you do that, Harry? I feel he like... doesn't want to stay up all night. Well, that's true, too, and she'll <laughs> want to hang out with that coven. She's like, okay, let's start at 8 a.m. Yeah. I was um, kind of shocked how well you did on Saturday Night Live as a host. Oh, thanks. I, I thought your monologue particularly went well when you were sitting at the piano and things oh, like that. You. Yeah, you seemed to be pretty comfortable, and, and then you did the movie Dunkirk. Is that the mm. goal, too, to do movies and, and act? Um, I think, like, if there's stuff that I really want to do and it kind of sounds like, like I just really want to be involved in it, then I'd love to do it. I don't. I don't see myself like wanting to go get a movie because I have like a year off and I want something to do. But if you know, when when I heard about Dunkirk, it was like, do you take acting lessons? I like I like go through a script with someone and kind of work on things. Yeah, it's dangerous to do that, right? Yeah. Because well, they told me not to when I did when I got the Dunkirk thing. Yeah. Like when they got it, when I, I got it, they said, you know, don't take anything because we don't want it to be like actory, but. Yeah, and um, but and but not being an actor, you don't even know what that means. You're like, what do you mean right. not be actor? I'm acting. I right. mean, don't I need to know how to? Don't I need to develop right. this skill? Yeah, so I kind of, I mean, it was good, I guess, because the character I was like a young soldier who didn't know what he was doing, and right. every day on set I had literally no idea what I was doing. But <laughs> right. um, it was kind of one of those things where like I learned the script, I learned what my lines were, but I never practiced them. I didn't like say them out loud because it can get stale. Yeah, I think someone had told me, like, just say the words as if it's the first time you're saying them. And I was like, I'm just going to make it the first time I'm saying them. So yeah, when I, I just made, didn't when, really practice. When I did my movie, I was like, I said to the guy who was producing, Ivan Reitman, I said to him, mm. Ivan, don't I need to go take some acting lessons or something? He said, right. no, don't fucking take a lesson. I don't want you doing that. I, you know. Right. And so the first day I got on the set, I didn't know what the hell I was mm -hmm. doing. I did not know that you even had to memorize your lines. Like, I was right. like, I'm going to ad lib here. Right. Uh, you know, so in a way, though, I, I get what they're saying, but I do think you need a certain amount of uh, a certain amount of that, I guess. Right. 
I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think you want to be like comfortable enough in case they make changes and stuff. Right. But I think a lot of the time when people like go over and over and over lines is you get stuck one way of saying stuff. Were you and intimidated then when you get in the by the scene? It's different and you don't really know how to change it. So I kind of just tried to go at it as like. Were you intimidated by the let's so-called real actors? People have been training and doing all this stuff. When you walk on the set, or you're like, "Oh shit, they yeah. all know what they're doing," and I'm, yeah. I'm an amateur, you know? Yeah, definitely. But then it was also just the size of the set, and I was a massive fan of Chris Nolan before, so the whole thing was really intimidating. Like the first day on set, walk out, and there's like some destroyer marine ship in the water and i was like is that for us and they're like yes and i was like oh shit this is like a real movie this is like a real movie and they're, yeah. and they're depending on me to come through yeah. in this scene a lot of pressure it was really fun yeah yeah what about saturday night live though when you go out mm. there and you're the host and you first walk out to do the monologue yeah. are you shaking inside because you're not being harry styles the musician right you're not being harry styles the actor you're being harry styles right uh, you seem to me to be very calm. I didn't sense any quivering in your voice or when you were delivering that monologue. How did they, how did, what is that? The, you, the thing with SNL was, I feel like I used to get so nervous before everything, before we would do anything. And uh, to the point where like, I used to be so nervous that I just, I'd almost always just be really disappointed with something because I just thought I was too nervous or... My hand was shaking or something like that. And you mean after you'd get done, you'd say, I sucked because yeah, I was too like a uptight. lot of the time, yeah. And uh, SNL, I don't really know why. I think maybe just because so much of the time you go on a show and you sit backstage for three hours for three minutes and you go out and it's like, okay, every, you know, you finished the album, now you're selling the album. Let's go. This is the three minutes. Don't mess it up. Here we go. And SNL, like you're there for the week. You've rehearsed everything. Ultimately, everything's written on the cards. So, like, do you take not, do you, you know, take part in the writing of the comedy? Do you actually sit uh, there? And you go in like all the writing sessions and stuff, and make like little tweaks and stuff. But I mean, they're also amazing over there. But, you like doing it? Yeah, SNL was like the calmest I've been probably for anything I've done. Which and you're not was you, really nice. And you're not really from a showbiz family, right? What no. did your mother do for? Uh, she was like an executive assistant. Right, like an insurance. Company. And your dad was uh, what? My dad worked in finance. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. But, like you had the showbiz bug. It's pretty great. Yeah, you know it's, they must be freaked out. They're they're pretty great. My my mom is like very chilled about the whole thing. Uh, they just like get it. I think it's it's difficult because so many people kind of have that. Uh, you know, they have like pushy parents and that kind of thing, and. They just kind of always stayed out of it. Do you do that thing where you like you start making money and you buy them a, a big house or something like that? Uh, my mum moved. Yeah, yeah. That's um, nice to be able to do that for you. Yeah, mother, it right? is. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately, like, you know, th those people have like looked after you your entire life, and still now, and uh, you know, especially with my mum, like, I wouldn't be here if she hadn't put me in for the thing. And when I when I moved to London for the show, she lent me some money to. You know, go and buy a bunch of clothes and stuff. Good return stuff. on her investment. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't understand. I didn't understand that part of your life where right. you were you were on the X Factor. Mm -hmm. You got famous. You're in the the band One Direction. You guys have you know hit songs. It's it's all blowing up and everything. But yet, you moved in with James Corden's manager, 
or something. Yeah, he's the exec producer. What's that yeah. guy's name? Ben Winston. You're good friends with James, right? Yeah. Seems like a decent guy, James. I've had yeah. him on the show a few yeah, times. Yeah, a couple times, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and James's manager and you become friends. Mm-hmm. And instead of you saying, hey, I'll go live in a hotel or I've got some money now. I could go certainly get my own place. Mm. You move into this guy's attic. Mm. What the fuck was going on there? What were you thinking? Like, like, were you lonely and you wanted to be around this guy? I was really tight with money. I didn't want to buy a hotel. You, you know, no, no, seriously. He's... What was what? Because I would think was that you trying to hold on to something normal? Um, I think. Well, Ben Ben was making a documentary with the band, okay. and I'd met him. We'd met a couple times. Like. He tells the story of me asking to move in with him, and I I cannot believe that I would have the gall to ask him after only spending a couple of days with him. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure he offered, but I was moving. I'd got a house in his area, like five minutes from his place, and I'd moved out of my last place. And I basically had like two weeks where I was, you know, going to do some painting and stuff in the house. And the painting turned into like ripping the insides out. And As it always does. Full thing. Right. Yeah. So I moved in for a planned two weeks and I'd never met his wife. We met for like coffee just so I'd met her and stuff. And, um, and yeah, two weeks just turned into 18 months. So you turn to the wife and you go, listen, I'm going to move into your attic. <laughs> Pretty much. Weeks. Yeah. And at the Here time you are in a big band, one direction, yeah. you're a success and you're living in some dude's attic. It's like living in the, in the little suburbs. Yeah. It was great. But uh, when I moved in, they, they'd only just recently moved in. There was nothing really in the attic, so I just kind of took my mattress from my flat and threw it on the floor in the attic. Wow. And I had that for about maybe like nine months, and then eventually I got a bed. But um, it was great. I feel like for me it was it was a, it was probably the best move I ever made. I think I had like – I'd moved away from my family. I had like some feeling of family. We never really talked about work, so I'd go and play like show in Brazil and come home and just – sit and watch tv with them um if and I you didn't Ill, feel uncomfortable no and if, if you were ill they would take care of you yeah if i was ill and they were working like ben's wow. mom would come around and bring me some soup but people um, are really nice to you i i had the complete opposite um, uh life than you right yeah, when i was sick nobody took care of me no, right. and no one was letting me in their attic i'm telling yeah. you but, no, but uh, it was like I, I feel also like i moved to london you're kind of i was in the band we're traveling and suddenly there's no rules and even as simple as they uh they have like a kosher house so i moved in i didn't really get it right. and the first week i ordered like a pepperoni pizza <laughs> and they made me sit on the bench outside to eat, eat it, it. <laughs> so i'm like sitting outside and it was freezing cold and i was like i don't think i'm gonna be able to eat bacon while i'm here maybe so. you were, maybe you were desirous i mean i'm getting psychological mm. here but maybe you were de- desirous of now that you could have anything you wanted in the world in a sense you had money you had fame there was women there's all kinds of things. whatever you want here mm. were people willing to set up rules and say no to you yeah and i i think a lot of them like some of them were their rules and some of them were self-enforced i think it was i moved in with them with them right at the time when i like started going out in london and drinking and you could go into bars and you know little members clubs and get hammered and then go home and i think so many of those parties in london there's like that there's like that 2 a.m cut off where half the party goes upstairs to do cocaine and half of them leave and you know you're kind of like thrown into this thing and i'm and you know i'm kind of there and i'm like well i'm not gonna 
I don't know his wife well enough to go back like off my face. So right. I should go home. You know? It kept so you grounded. Was, yeah, I feel like it it was it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Maybe Harry, you've day. had so much fame at such a young age. How do you say no to yourself? You seem like a pretty grounded guy sitting and talking to you and from what I've read of you. Mm. Like like you can have you could live like a king. You can have whatever you want. You got money, you got fame, you got looks, you know, you got your youth and you got talent. You could fuck over every woman on the planet. By fuck over, I mean, you know, you could really hurt people. You could have, mm. you could, you know, people are ready to do whatever you want. But you seem like you're able to say no to yourself. Is, was there, am I right about that? You've got to find some internal mechanism to say, I'm just a regular guy. I can't take whatever I want. Right. Is that what's going on inside of you? I mean, I think, I think uh, the biggest thing for me was probably when I moved to London and you start meeting all these new people and you meet other people in the industry and stuff. And the first thing I remember was it's like any dinner that I would go to or drinks thing, like it's such a world of gossip as the world is, but you know, within the industry, everybody loves to gossip. And I just remember hearing so many stories about people being assholes and people like smashing shit and people throwing food and all of that shit and just people being weird to other people. Yeah. And I just remembered like how it made me think of the other, of those people. And I was like, I really don't want anyone to tell a story like that about me. So is it dangerous when you date a woman? You're talking about Valentine's mm. Day. I almost get why you didn't have a Valentine. Right. When you when there's somebody you like and you genuinely want to approach them, mm. it, 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 does it go through your mind, oh, shit. You can almost fast forward and say, if this doesn't work out, then I'm the asshole. It's going to come out in the paper that I was somehow disrespectful right. or I didn't, uh, you know. How do you get to know somebody in a romantic setting <clears throat> and, and, and somehow work your way through that? And what if it doesn't work out and how do you come out of that a good guy? Mm. Um. I feel like I mean it it's always kind of a a balance thing some of it cuz you want to you want to date normally but then you also want to protect it so that it can be normal like I think a, a good example is like you know if you want to go for dinner with someone New York's pretty busy right um and if you want to have like a quiet dinner you maybe want to go like in the back door or something but then that's not a normal date either so you right but in a way you're also superman like you're taking someone into your world mm. and you're impressing the crap out of them but on the other hand if you said to a woman you know what let's just have dinner in my apartment mm -hmm. you might come off like a creep but what you're saying is i don't want to go public with this relationship right. yet because i want to get to know you a little bit it's yeah. a lot to maneuver through. Yeah, I think I think ultimately anyone who's going to get it is going to understand that cuz I think a big part of it is like you want us you want to be able to spend enough time with each other where you can get to know each other before you have to deal with all of the extra stuff and you're kind of like solid enough in what this is. It's like okay, you know how I feel about you. I know how you feel about me. We're going to kind of we're already a relationship and then you add the stuff on the top rather than you go out for dinner with someone and it's like, oh, that's his, you know, that's his girlfriend or whatever. And you're like, well, it's not. And now it's weird because we're like, are we, 
dating or are we not dating? Like I, I try as hard as I can to keep the two worlds separate. Can you ever imagine a world where you are married and devoted to one person? Or does that sound insane to you? Because it would almost be an impossibility to form that kind of bond with someone, given your position. Um, I, I mean, I'd like to be. It's you definitely would? what I kind of would like to do, yeah. Just look um, at McCartney. I mean, I don't look I mean, at him and people's Linda. Relationship is so different now. Like people are, you know, open and people have different like things. But yeah, I, I'd like to think I would want that at some point. Yeah. Although, are you are you fucked up in the head from your parents getting divorced and say, well, no relationship can last forever? Um, no, I th I'm pretty lucky with them. Like, I can't, you know, think. I I feel like when you grow up and you understand a little more about relationships, even then. You kind of, you know, you, you get it when, you know, about your parents getting divorced. But ultimately, I think whether they want to be together or not, all you can really ask for is them to, like, support you and love you. And I've always had that from both my parents and yeah. step-parents. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty lucky with that. Harry, talk to me about this song, Sledgehammer. I'm a big yeah. fan of Sledgehammer, yeah. Peter Gabriel. We were talking mm -hmm. about what songs you might do. You're going to do one from the new album, too. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, and, and Sledgehammer... Why Why do you love that song so much? I love it because, I, well, I think it's like the best mixed song ever. It just sounds incredible. You mean the record itself? The record itself, yeah. Um, but I love it so much. The vi The music video is one of my favorite videos full time. Peter Gabriel, when he went on MTV, I remember mm. when that video came out. Yeah. It was pretty fucking nutty. Cause it's crazy. It was, it was completely innovative. <clears throat> mm -hmm. You know, um, it, it it was like that stop motion Right. And it, it, I mean, it was just odd. Even his yeah. like eyebrow was twitching and right. it was, it was just great. Yeah. Where is, well, you know, the, the, that, that, like videos today are so expensive to produce, mm -hmm. but it seems like back then they could just come out with a novel idea and do something simple, you know? Right. Yeah. So you, you love the sound of the song. Love the sound of the song. Um, it's my alarm a lot of the time. I feel like it wakes, it's a good, uh, what time you get up in the morning? Well, I got up this morning at five thirty. Yeah, well, that's because I was coming. Cause this in is crazy. But no, normally, like, um, you know, or I mean, I, you won't find me in bed past the crack of noon. Really? Well, you have no, to I, work no, at that. I'm, but I'm you have to like work it that way. Nine ish. You have to do like that because you have to stay up and do concerts and things like that, right? Most I'm of usually your life. up at like nine, nine or ten. You write music every single day? No. When you're in one, you write something every single day. You lyrics do? or something. What do you mean you write something every day? Like, like a poem? A like lyrics, poem, something, some sort of idea. You keep a journal? Uh, yeah, but I kind of, I go back and forth with go, with doing it and just doing it in my phone. Oh, you do it in your phone? A lot of the time, yeah. You type something in and you have like an app that just saves the notes? Yeah. So you have, a, if I looked in your phone now, if I had a knife and I robbed you and I, yeah. and I made you, forced you to open your phone. I mean, that would, it'd be a little <laughs> soon. <laughs> That'd be I, a little weird. I'd be like, what? what's happening but if you open that up you've yeah. got a lot of ideas for songs and Some lyrics and things like that and that's kind of why i didn't want to give up my phone right i was like i had songs in there a couple of music videos that aren't out in there and i was like and also just like it felt so annoying like people like friends phone numbers and stuff and be like oh, yeah. oh, sorry i got my phone stolen i know i was like nah and you're, you're talking running. about you have years of lyrics and things that or poems that might eventually turn into songs yeah, but for the purpose of hopefully not getting mugged again, no. They're all on a different <laughs> device. What do you do with the tunes that you come up with in your head? Do you just kind of hum them into the, the phone? Yeah, like a lot of voice notes. Um, yeah, a lot of voice notes. Yeah. Um, but...
Yeah, and also we we recorded a lot of the new album at um, Real World, which is Peter Gabriel's studio in in England. Was that because you loved the sound of his records? Um, I mean, it's an amazing studio. Yeah. We wanted to get out of London, um, but we all got in there and we just wanted to blast Sledgehammer in the room so bad, and we were like, "Do you mind if we do it?" And the guys <laughs> working there were like, "Everybody does it. Go ahead." And yeah. we just like absolutely cranked it what do you make of like when billy eilish says she made the whole album in her bedroom does that seem undoable like or you need the studio environment um i don't think you do anymore i think it depends how you work we probably do just because i also do a lot of like i don't know i feel like we kind of turn it into like a different little world rather than there's not a lot of like writing and then coming in to record like we kind of we kind of I do a lot of writing with Mitch and how'd you put this band like together by the into way? the studio like, how'd you meet Mitch uh, we met during the first album when we were making the first album um, this guy Ryan who was engineering um, was Mitch's roommate and we had a guitarist who was supposed to come in right. and he couldn't make it and Ryan was like I can get Mitch to come in so Mitch came in and uh, he does Mitch playing. have to audition for you in a sense does no. he he was just playing. We were writing together, and it was kind of like... Mitch, what were you playing when you uh, when you met Harry? When someone says, hey, you know, you're kind of feeling each other out. What do you play? I don't know. I think I was... No, yeah, I, yeah, that's, yeah, that's work. Um, I, was, I was playing a lot in, like, open D. Uh, I don't know. It was probably some, like, Nick Drake-related oh, type yeah? of phase I was going through, and... <laughs> but I was on electric guitar, so I think his ears perked up over that. Yeah. Most of I the think, songs you guys write in Open D? Uh, the first couple were. Um, maybe in the hallway, I think. Yeah. Why is Open D so... Every songwriter I talked to... It's so quick, nice. It's beautiful, right? It's nice yeah. to not know where what's going to come out when you're sort of in that Let me hear. Are you in Open D right now? No? None of these are... No. Oh, okay. Well, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> but uh, no, no, Adam what, was one Adam, of the first people I met when I moved to London, actually. Adam's your bass player. Yeah. Uh, so we met, yeah, 2010. Yeah. And then he was working kind of always. And we had a band while we, were in, while we were in One Direction. And then when we finished and we started thinking about it, when we'd finished the first album, we started putting the uh, band together. I called Adam and he'd just finished the tour. And I was like, what are you doing next year? And he said, nothing. And I was like, great. You must have been happy to get that call out of him, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's really good. What was with that guy? Uh, the, the, I, I, you made a joke on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. You didn't mention the, the Zane's name. Who oh, yeah. left, he was the first one to leave One Direction. Yes. Uh, you, didn't, you called him Ringo, which mm-hmm. I thought was particularly funny. But were, were you angry when this guy decides to suddenly leave <clears throat> the band? Um, I mean, because, I mean, you were happy in One Direction. You yeah. weren't thinking in that, mm-hmm. in that area of leaving the band. Mm-hmm. Was that an insult to you? Was that something that he should not have done? Um, I don't. I don't know if I could say it's something he shouldn't have done because I. I just didn't feel that way. Right. So, um, so it's it's hard for me to like condemn it because I don't. And especially in hindsight, looking at it now, the last thing that I would have wanted is for him to have stayed there if he didn't want to be there. But maybe he could have handled it better. Yeah, I think like it was a shame. It was a shame, and like, it was like in a tour. And I think if he'd come to us and maybe kind of discussed it a little more, we might have found a way to kind of do it a little smoother but but ultimately if you know if you don't 
want to be there, then you don't want to be there. And I, you know, I, but you don't do it in the middle of the tour. You try to be a little professional and say, "Hey, we've sold some tickets here. People are expecting to see us." And then, and then let's sit down and talk about it. I think, I think what you're saying is, even though you're young at that point, mm. there is a way to conduct yourself. I mean, you said it right. Simon Cowell says he was pissed mm. when you went off to do your solo career and you didn't consult him. Right? Why didn't you consult him? Um. I think like I'd I'd been in the band since I was sixteen, and you know there was five of us, and then we had like a lot of managers, and we had a lot of people at the label, and you kind of you're you're in these meetings, and it's like, are we going to do another album? Yes, we're going to do another tour. Yes, we're going to do this, that, and that, and every and all of those decisions obviously affect your life in a massive way, right? And every decision I've made since i was 16 was as part of a group and i kind of just felt like i needed to work out i didn't necessarily know who i was as an adult it was like i had to go off and if somebody says do you want to go do this and i'm like what do we think you know right it's always like, a group i don't know do i want to do that and so that's hard right to find your own voice and 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 make your own decisions after you've been in that group think for a while yeah, yeah. well it's a little it's a little uh it's a little difficult, I guess, when, when like, I think if you're just starting out fresh, you, you have the ability to, like, make a ton of mistakes and stuff. Right. Like, for example, if you're an actor who's just starting out, you can make a ton of bad movies and then, uh, and then you make, like, your great movie and stuff. And I kind of, I definitely felt a little bit of, like, I'm trying to work out what exactly my solo music sounds like, who I am a bit. And, uh, and I don't really want to like start fucking it up kind of in front of people. Were you shitting your pants when you put out that first record? I mean, you know, a little bit, yeah. yeah, because it's like now everyone's going to judge me. I should have stayed with one direction, blah, 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 blah. They're going to make fun of me. There's I not was excited. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a lot of pressure. But, I mean, it was like a six minute piano ballad. So I was, I was also like, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I was kind of like, all right, we'll see how it goes. Now, who's this member of your band on keyboard? This is Nye. Nye? Yeah, it's Nye. No. How long have you been playing the uh, keyboards? Uh, while. Yeah? Yeah. Do you get nervous that you're going <laughs> to screw up during a song, or are you so professional at this point that you just don't screw it I'm up? I'm going to go with the second answer. When you play Sledgehammer, let's say, you know Harry's going to probably yell at you if you screw up during this song. So do you practice <laughs> it over... He's yelling. Yes, he's yeah. yelling. I see he's the kind of guy that yells a lot. Do, 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 do you practice it over and over again before this performance? You practice, but you, you don't want to over-practice because you you've got to feel it. You know? Is Sledgehammer a hard song to play? I'm just playing the horn bit, so I'm having okay, fun. Okay, I hear yeah. you. Now, your drummer. Yes. Where did you find her? Sarah Jones. Um, Sarah Jones, well, it, really, it's Sarah's band. I'm just the front man of Sarah's band. Why do you say that? Because it's after every show, it's either the first or second thing that people say. It's like, show was great. Drummer's incredible. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, I don't mean to be uh, uh, one of the crowd here, but I was watching you guys rehearse Sledgehammer for a few minutes, and that drum you were fucking hitting was really awesome. I mean, you were really pounding those drums, right? And everyone always evaluates drummers on how hard they hit, you know? Mm -hmm. But uh, how she long talks. you been... Yeah, she really, mm -hmm. she's, she's great. Where, where did you learn to play drums? Did you start very young? Um, I started about 13 in... Um the deepest countryside of the border of Wales, so there wasn't much else to do. Yeah, and how did you find Harry? Um, through a 
I was in another band called Hot Chip and uh, a DJ friend, new uh, creative director, and he just called me one day. Actually, he Facebooked me. Are you in love with Harry? <laughs> we all are, yeah. You are all in love with Harry. <laughs> There's nothing romantic going on with any of the ladies in Harry? No, one. not with more, no, more, uh, Mitch and Sarah. More with together. Mitch. Okay. Yes, Aaron and Mitch, yeah. Oh, wait. Mitch and Sarah are together. Yeah. Oh. Oh, that's a whole different story. We met yeah. in the rehearsal And room. you could see it happen. And so when they met in rehearsal. Yeah. Right, and so you're putting this band together. You hire yeah. Sari. So I'll Mitch, get Mitch. Mitch moves to London, right. basically. This is what, this is what Mitch, happens. Mitch, you so devil. Mitch moves to London. And I he moves into my old flat in London. Right. And so I introduce him to my friends who live upstairs. And they start, like, taking him out, showing him around and stuff. And because uh, you didn't have a passport, did you? No. Before you came? Jamaica, maybe. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so, uh, so Mitch starts going out with them, and every night they'd tell me, like, oh, Mitch was crazy last night. Was, Mitch seems was, pretty was, mellow. Was, I mean, I think he's just yeah, sleeping over there. So he was crazy. He was yeah. out, you know, doing all this stuff. And then, uh, and then I remember a couple nights, I was like, what did Mitch do last night? And they were like, oh, no, we didn't see him. Uh -oh. So then I'd ask Mitch, and he'd be like, oh, I just got some dinner with Sarah. Oh. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and then when we started rehearsing together, he would play, and then over the weeks, he would kind of just, he just started slowly <laughs> turning towards Sarah. Until they were just staring at each other the whole time we would play. Is it dangerous, Mitch and Sarah, to be in a band together, to travel together, to be constantly together, and now have a relationship? Because if you guys fuck this up and you start fighting, it's got, Harry, it's going to be horrible. I'll just put Sarah behind like a Robin glass screen. Yeah, but you, you better. Why me? <laughs> for, the, for the drum bleed. Right. Are we worried about this at all, Sarah? Um, no. I, I'd been on lots of tours before and Mitch hadn't, so I gave him a very strict uh, sort of speech. You did? <laughs> yeah. What is the speech? They're like, listen, dude, you better I mean, behave. There's like some pointing. Wow. Yeah. So a, naive. Yeah. What a complex so band. So naive. <laughs> Bands are, and, and, and who's back here on, uh, I don't know what you're playing. Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte, on what keys. are you playing on? keys. Yes. Charlotte, you having a good time? Having a great time. Still yeah. awake? Everything good? Yeah, I'm loving this. All right, yeah. let's do a little sledgehammer. Okay. Because you love this song. Yeah. And uh, we're going to do a cover today, which is Sledgehammer, and then we're going to do something from the new album afterwards. Yeah. All right. I'm excited to hear this.
Wow. Well nice. done. You reminded me how great that song is. It's great. Have you guys ever performed that publicly before? No, this is the first time. Is that right? Do you is this a song that you guys would do like maybe in rehearsal just to warm up or something, and then uh, it kind of evolved? Uh, no, we you kind should, of just decided I wanted to do it for this. But you should do that on tour. We that might. Is, uh, it's fantastic. We might, yeah. It is so much fun to watch your band play too. Thanks. Jeez, a drum part hard, huh? Yeah, it's very, very cool. Very energetic. Yeah, what is that beat? Do that beat. Just do it to isolate it, if you don't. Very nice. And what about, how are you doing those horns? That's all programmed into your thing? Do a little more of that. Please, I'm begging you. I, lo I love to see how you guys break that. You would have brought horns, but that would have been more How good does that sound? Jesus, that is just awesome. And then what are you playing on the keyboards? Uh, I start with a flute. So. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, that, that, yeah, that was interesting. That's a great part of the song. That's a great part. We couldn't not do it. I should have practiced. You know, my, my piano teacher committed suicide, unfortunately. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a change yeah. of pace. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Well, listen, the way I played, I'm pretty sure I was responsible. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I was going to lie and say... That ended your music career. <laughs> it, uh, it, well, it was good that it ended, actually. I had a band, too, but uh, boy, was it bad. <laughs> Nothing like this band. So now with the new album, mm. this is it. We're back up. We're going on tour, right? Yeah, we start April 15th. The uh, album, of course, is called Fine Line. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, available wherever music is sold. The <laughs> tour kicks off this June uh, for the Harry Ween Yep. show at Madison Square Garden October yeah the tickets go on sale this morning yes that'll uh those yeah. will go quick i imagine we hope so yeah so you start the tour in new york we uh yeah the american tour yeah american tour yeah, we start in june in philadelphia how long does the 3rd of june where do you play in philadelphia uh the um is it called the tower or the the because Bowie put out an album, a live album from Philadelphia. Oh, okay. You know, you know that live album I'm talking about? No. It was a double album. It was my favorite album. Oh, okay. Yeah, he yeah. hated the album. He okay. thinks it was a piece of shit, and he never liked the recording of it. It was my favorite David Bowie album. Oh. Yeah. It's weird, and he hated it. But anyway, mm. so Philadelphia, and then you hit everywhere. Uh, yeah, and then we yeah, we're on the East Coast for a little bit, and then kind of go through end up on the west coast the song you're going to do today mm -hmm. which is um let me see what are you doing you're doing adore you adore you yeah i watched the video of that that oh, was yeah. that is like an opus oh yeah i mean it's yeah, a it full fun. movie isn't it yeah and it's the fish so your fans put a lot of thought into what's going on there with the fish well the fish made me sad because yeah. the fish is dying and you save them mm -hmm. but i get i get very affected by animals being in trouble yeah i'm big into animal rescue and all that kind of stuff and um uh, and and this video not only is you acting and really going through it i mean it must be how long is the whole video it's like 15 minutes or something uh it's, it's like eight eight minutes yeah is that it's it? like eight or nine minutes uh yeah like eight adore you mm. this has got to be written by written about some girl you were mm -hmm. banging or something am i correct on this it's it's this is written about the uh, initial stages of infatuation with somebody. The initial stage. And, and, and Harry, does it always go wrong? Why why do these relationships go wrong? Explain I mean, to sitting me. here today, I would have to say they always go wrong so far. Yeah. Right. 
Why? Well, I, I mean, I think, is it you? I mean, the common denominator would be me. Um, <laughs> He's been in every one of them. I've been in all of them. <laughs> yeah. And you've dated um, famous women and you've dated non-famous, you know, women who mm-hmm. have regular kinds of careers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And yet every relationship has, has the, the initial stage is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's real love, right? Mm-hmm. And then, boom, over. Mm-hmm. So adore you means I adore you, mm-hmm. but I can't be with you. Uh, Don't get shy on me. Uh, uh, I th- well, I think adore you is more about like, it's more about that honeymoon period. Than the other part. See, that's going to be your problem. Do you just like falling in love, but the other part? I love love. Yeah, but like the falling in love is the 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 real fun. fun. I mean, I don't know. I like, I like, uh, like, I think, I think it's kind of like any relationship, you know, once you get past that stage, then the exciting part becomes that you're like a team, Mm -hmm. you're kind of Mm -hmm. with each other. But it's, I mean, I can't say I've had like a lot of relationships like proper relationships but um you know that that can be hard for like different reasons you know mm-hmm. touring is really yeah. hard yeah also your problem like is that. you have too many options me i fell in love easily because i had you know zero options <laughs> somebody like me i was in love that was it it was over you know what i mean your problem is you're too good looking and you're and you're famous it's a problem i try Listen. and i try and keep that the fame thing out of the relationship thing as much as possible yeah i don't know what's going to be with but, you um, you know what i mean i'm worried about that. i'm, I'm, I'm mean, yeah, worried about he, sarah and mitch i think <laughs> right. they're gonna screw everything up i, I hope they're all right because when you're really you know like you're you're you if it gets too hard you can just go Move. find somebody else that's the problem yeah <laughs> that's, that's the problem I mean, that is that's the spirit, Robin, right? I mean, well, what? you're a bit of a bumblebee. You know, you can go and pollinate every little flower that's around. You've got it's a not, problem there. It's not the plan. Maybe therapy's for you. Therapy? Yeah. I'm yep. in therapy. You're in therapy? Yeah. How many times a week you go? I don't go often enough because my therapist is in L.A. I see. Um, you can't Skype? Well, we call sometimes. I thought about getting one in London and then, because I live in London. Yes. And for me, it was like I had a bit of a hard time getting out of my own way enough to go to therapy in the first place in and, other words um, it took you a long time to make the decision to go to therapy yeah and i felt like there was a big part of me that was like oh everybody like everybody i know is in therapy and i was like i just don't think i need it and i want to be the guy who didn't have to go to therapy and then somebody just described it to me as like you can tell somebody everything you can talk at somebody and then you pay them, and they're not allowed to tell anyone. And I was like, <laughs> that sounds great. So um, so you like it? Yeah, so I went, so I thought about getting one in London. But for me, like, it's much easier to have one person who is like a vessel who I can tell everything to. And I feel like if if I started having two different people, it would confuse me a bit. Too many too many therapists. Yeah, just like feel like. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got a lot to negotiate and stuff. What's the therapist say about you and your relationships? Like, in relation to Adore You, that, that you mm. love this initial flush of romance. Right. And then things go wrong. Does he say there's something that you can do about this? Um, well, she's pretty like. Oh, she? Yeah. So she. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I worry about you going to a woman no, therapist. I'm going to say no before, <laughs> before you even. Can I tell you why? Yeah. Because you're going to fucking seduce her. I don't mean literally. 
But you... How do you I, know she's not going to seduce me? No, you, you're missing my point. Oh. You, first of all, your father left. Mm. You've got some father issues. Okay. You need a strong man in your life. Okay. You need... A male therapist. No, uh, I'm not a therapist. Uh, uh, Listen, I got my own headaches. I'm not taking on yours. <laughs> I got a lot of problems. But I'm saying, a woman, mm. with you and women, it's tricky. No, I think she, um, I mean, I think she's amazing. She, like, definitely, uh, I don't know. She, like, yeah, it's like an environment where you can talk about anything. It, and she's not falling in love with you? No. Mm. No. Mm. He's gonna go You're to not worried her. about looking weak in front of her or no, vulnerable. No, no, He's going to fuck this woman. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Anybody, raise your hand if you agree with me. Uh, how long the has this band. been going no, on? No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's, she's great. Yeah. Yeah. So adore you. Let's get back to the song and the new album and the tour and everything else. This song, a long process. Was this grueling to write this song for you as a songwriter? Uh, this was... Uh, I think like a day. A day. Was like a Came day. to you quick. Yeah. They say the best songs come to you quick. quick. Yeah. All right. Let's do Adore You. Does okay. ev has everyone practiced this? Is there going to be anybody screwing <laughs> up? Good. Everyone knows we how to do it? We played it like 50 times this week. We did. So we'll probably be okay. All right. Then I, I don't have to be nervous. Be okay. All right. Here we go. This is called Adore You. It's from Fine Line, the new Harry Styles album. I'll be quiet.
fire for you. Just let me adore you. Oh, Robin. Guys who mugged you just called the show. They want to give you back your money. They, <laughs> they're so impressed with you. They're so you sorry. Did. That is great. When you guys are on stage doing this live, mm. do you have a look? Do, do you ever say to the band, I want you to look a certain way? Is there a dress code in the band when you perform in, in a concert? I mean, we have like, they have like different suits and like different colors and stuff. Is that important to you? I mean, I think it is. Yeah, it's a show. A yeah, I think it's a show. And. You know, we give a shit. And when you recorded the album, you bit a piece of your tongue off while you were... How do you do that? I've never done that. uh, The aforementioned mushrooms were in play. Uh, Oh, the mushrooms. I jumped out a window. (laughs) Why did you um, jump out a window? I was high. Uh Uh-huh. And Uh, you said, hey, it it would look really cool if... It would be cool if I jumped out the window. I don't know if I thought it would be cool. Um, What were you thinking? I don't know. <laughs> the uh, dumbest stuff out happened. Window, yeah, and uh, I hit my chin on my knee, and I, landed, mm. and I bit like the end of my tongue off. And, and it has it grown back. I mean, what happens if grown you back? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it's like a snake. a snake. I don't know. <laughs> what I would say is, when I was a kid, I had like a speech impediment. Yes. Um, and sometimes when I like, if I'm really tired, I can feel my mouth get lazy, and I get like a very small lisp. Yes. And it's gone. Oh, Without so you, the, the rest of your bit tongue. The little, bit the little extra bit off. Oh. Yeah, it's gone. And when you were recording the album, was there blood gushing out of your... Uh, <laughs> uh, it was bleeding quite was. heavily yeah, oh at the time. Yeah, yeah was, what do you do about a, a, a t- bitten tongue? It wasn't a lot. It was like a little bit. It was pretty, no, it was pretty painful, but um, it's okay now. Well, listen, Thanks. the new album sounds great. Thanks you guys so sound great.